Today, Pentecost Sunday, 2021, I want to start reading Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. This is the coming of the Holy Spirit. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. All the disciples had gathered families and, and people together, and they were all in one place. And suddenly, verse 2 says, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Now, the interesting thing is the disciples had had a promise from Jesus in chapter 1. And so they actually believed in the promise to such a level that they were willing to change their structure of life. They were willing to say, you know what, I don't need to go hang out and watch a baseball game today. I need to go focus on what the promise that Jesus had just given to us. We don't know what it is. But he had promised that the Holy Spirit was coming. We're not sure how it was going to happen. We're not sure how the response was going to be. But we know one thing, he promised. And so they gathered in this upper room. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Fire zapping them on the tops of their heads or engulfing their bodies, whatever it was, fire, like tongues of fire were pounding. So you can imagine this roaring, rushing wind with fire hitting the people. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Oh, sorry. A divided tongues is a fire, and one sat upon each of them. One fire literally sat with them. How many want fire of the Holy Spirit to sit on us today. Amen. <laughs> Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you got to remember, this had never happened before. But now they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But to help us understand what just transpired in Acts chapter 2, let's first look at Acts chapter 1 starting in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he, that's Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. I want to encourage us today, I felt so heavily in my time of prayer uh, this morning that, that, that we needed to expect, wait and expect something to happen. If we listen to this podcast or this service or, or experience this, whatever, if we don't expect and wait for something to happen. But the waiting wasn't just sitting around doing nothing. The waiting was actually them believing it in such a level they gathered together. They all went to a place of meeting and they started to pray and intercede for the expectation 24-7. But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be, this is Jesus speaking, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I want to encourage us, what if Jesus was speaking to you and me right now, wait for more of the Holy Spirit, wait for more power, for you will be receiving it in days from now. Verse 6, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. 
In other words, don't focus on the times and seasons too long. That's already in the authority of God. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of this earth. We need to pray for Israel right now. There's... It's something to be a small country surrounded by other countries that literally hate you and want to destroy you. And I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm saddened in my heart when 4,000 plus missiles come flying into your land and then you get condemned for, for responding. I can only imagine if one missile came flying into the White House from Canada, let's say, what would happen or from China or from somewhere. Father, we just lift up the whole country of Israel right now, the nation of Israel. I ask you, Lord God, supernatural protection. It's wonderful they have an iron dome, but Father God, we know Holy Spirit outpowers any iron dome. I pray, Lord God, that, that, that the allies of Israel will continue supplying them with the needed uh, pieces, support, armories, everything needed. I pray, Lord God, that this is not the time to let a nation stand on its own with such a spiritual battle because, Father God, this is a spiritual war going on in the Middle East. I pray, Lord God, that we as a nation, Canada, nation of America, we will stand with Israel in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, the ministry of Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit as well. See, he wasn't doing a ministry until John baptized him, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and at that point got led into the desert and tempted by the enemy. Came out of there, defeated the devil through all temptations completely, came out of there, and ministry started. Jesus needed Holy Spirit empowerment and power, just like you and I need Holy Spirit empowerment daily, every minute, every second of the day in our lives. The disciples had experienced some of the Holy Spirit's power before they had the encounter. In John chapter 20, verse 22 to 23, and when he, that's Jesus, had said this, he breathed on them. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Receive the Holy Spirit so you can forgive the sins of anyone. And you will not retain them because Holy Spirit doesn't hold grudges with people. So they got to experience some of this power before the encounter on the day of Pentecost. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come to dwell in the disciples permanently in John chapter 7, starting in verse 37. John 7, starting in verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow river, rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. 
For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Remember that word, the Holy Spirit was not yet given. The fullness of the Holy Spirit in you is always to empower you, is to empower us to live the testimony of Jesus Christ. If we don't have the fullness of Holy Spirit in us, I truly believe we won't even live the fullness of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Because as we walk this earth, we need the power of the Spirit within so that when we walk, it's not just a, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a, walking along. It's actually walking with power, with authority of the name of Jesus. This is not just a little thing. This is a huge, big deal that we need Holy Spirit in such a way that we will no longer walk as if we don't have him. The Holy Spirit outpouring at Pentecost it was God equipping his church with power so that he will be glorified among the nations. You see, Holy Spirit empowerment is that we become the true living gospel of Jesus Christ to go into the neighborhoods and into the nations of this world. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. Habakkuk 2, 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The Holy Spirit empowers, empowers us to fulfill God's plan for the church to reach the lost. We are called, we are destined, be filled with His Holy Spirit to reach the lost, to be the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was not by coincidence that God poured out His Spirit on the disciples during the Jewish feast of Pentecost. It was by purpose and plan, I truly believe. There were three great Jewish, fe Jewish feasts each year. Passover, in the springtime, it celebrated Israel's deliverance from Egypt, followed immediately by the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Pentecost, also called the Feast of Weeks, it, was, it occurred 50 days, seven weeks after Passover. And the Feast of Tabernacle was in the fall. But the actual Feast of Pentecost was originally a harvest feast. It was, it was celebrating the first fruits of the harvest, where people of their first crop would pick the best of the best, and they would bring it as a sacrifice, as a gift into the temple. Until this time, the Lord's people consisted of mainly Jews. There was a few Gentiles in there as well, too. But now the Lord formed the body of Christ, Pentecost, changed everything. The pouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost shifted the church and the body of the church, the family of God. It shifted its purpose and it shifted what it looked like. In this new body of Christ, after they experienced this upper room encounter of the Holy Spirit, it made up of Jews and Gentiles together equally pouring out and serving the kingdom of God on this earth. John proclaims in Revelation 5 verse 9 that Jesus purchased for God with his blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, that the death of Jesus Christ on that cross when he rose again and then Holy Spirit was poured out on that day of Pentecost, what it did was it united 
every believer in this world to come together in power and authority equally to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must remember that our purpose as the, as the Lord's church is not to focus on ourselves. You see, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is not to just make you or me happy. We don't ask for more of your spirit to come on us so we can have a giggly, googly time. That's not what the Holy Spirit came for. The Holy Spirit was sent to us by God for a purpose beyond you and beyond me. You and I are an integral part of it, but being filled with the Holy Spirit is a unifying ability of the church locally, internationally, and abroad to come together in the power to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to walk in sign wonders and miracles, to be able to walk on this earth, uh, to be able to walk to the shopping store and be able to heal someone from a sickness or a disease no matter where you go. We must not resist, or sorry, we must not rest until all the nations have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we came here, listened here on a Sunday of Pentecost, it's so easy to, well, I want more. I want more. Absolutely. That's a healthy Christian lifestyle. But why do we want more? Oh, because I have problems and I have debt and I have all these issues. You know what? If we got filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way and we are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ as we're called to, I have a feeling we might not be in debt. We might not have issues and problems as many coming our way. Not that it won't be easy. It'll be difficult. People will come against you. Again, if you signed up to Christianity, there's going to be people that hate you just because you're a Christian. That's been through history. But this Pentecost, Holy Spirit outpouring was a mighty rushing wind with tongues of fire to give us power and authority to walk in the power that God has called us to walk in. You see, the Holy Spirit is not just wind with no emotions. Blowing around, no. We know the Holy Spirit is a personal being that can be grieved. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Bingo. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification? In other words, don't speak corrupted, negative things. The words that come out of our mouth must be for edification, encouraging, exhorting. Why? That it may impart grace to the hearers. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Our lifestyle, our attitude can grieve the Holy Spirit. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, verse 31. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Oh, they list a few here for us. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. 
Jesus calls the Holy Spirit a comforter. That word comforter is one called alongside to help us. So you, need, you feel like you're, you need some help? Call to the Holy Spirit. He's your comforter. He's, he'll come alongside you. Before the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit regenerated men and empowered them for serving God. So Holy Spirit would come, empower certain individuals to serve God. But he did not permanently indwell in men yet. That's Old Testament. That's Old Covenant. Psalms 51 verse 11, David is saying, Do not cast me away from your presence, O God. I'm adding, O God. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You see, in the old covenant, that whole, the Holy Spirit could be taken from you. But I sure love that we aren't old covenants. We are new covenants. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. This is Jesus speaking. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You see, the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a gift. It doesn't actually get taken away. But you can distance or separate yourself from him. You see, when God gives us gifts, he doesn't give you a gift to take it away. It's kind of like at a birthday party and you have a son or a daughter and you give them a gift you don't just take it away. Well, sometimes we do out of discipline, right? But for a season. But see, God's not doing it that way. God has given us the Holy Spirit. The only thing that can separate you once you ask and receive the Holy Spirit, the only thing that can separate you is your actions, and it will distant you, but it will never end the relationship. In the upper room... Jesus had told the disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit to be with them forever. So on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were baptized with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the promise Jesus had given him. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Acts 1, verse 5. For truly, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In Acts chapter 8, the Spirit was poured out on the Samaritans through the apostles so that both the Samaritans and the apostles would realize that they were now members of the same body of Christ. The same thing happened with the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 and with the following of John's baptism in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. These outpourings of the Holy Spirit followed the pattern of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You see, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 was not just a one-time event. Some people believe that, well, that just happened for the disciples and, that in, in, and brought them into apostleship. But I want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit pouring out is not just for one group of people in one generation. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit is a continual offer to anyone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's not just for a leadership team. It is for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. All you have to do is ask for it and receive it. We're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which means... 
that we become controlled by the Holy Spirit. Oh, we don't like to be controlled. You know what? Get over it. Holy Spirit empowering us and controlling us in our lives is what lives for God is what it's all about. Holy Spirit empowering us. Again, it's hard to even say controlling us. Feels like we're such a generation that hates control. Well, guess what? You're living in a time of a lot of control right now. I'd rather be controlled by Holy Spirit than controlled by these orders and laws. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 17. Ephesians 5, starting 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've never had a drink of wine, what they're saying here, you probably wouldn't understand it. Alcohol tends to make some people happy till they go too far and they make them really ugly and grumpy. So don't be drunk with alcohol, with wine, with drugs, with anything. Don't be drunk. Don't be under the influence and control of a foreign substance or an earthly substance. No. Instead, be under the influence of a Holy Spirit and you will be happy, happy, happy with no hangover. Happy. And the price was already paid. It's kind of like going to a liquor store and walking out with everything and not having to pay a penny. But the liquor store is just an imitation of the trueness and fulfillment of the Holy Spirit empowering us. Jesus paid the price. You and I don't have to pay that price again. But be filled with the Holy Spirit Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual melodies in your heart to the Lord. Can you imagine us doing that? How would that even look? Speaking to one another in psalms. Well, if you're not tone deaf, it might actually sound quite beautiful. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, for all the things you have blessed us with. No matter what storm is raging around you, give thanks to God. I love what Donna says. You weren't born 100 years ago. If you are, congratulations. You weren't born 100 years from now. But I'll tell you what. We can't influence the past, but we sure can influence the children yet unborn. You were born now, for now, for this season, for this time. Actually, we want to congratulate Ashley and Misha. They have a beautiful baby girl. Amen. So, so Pastor Willis and Pastor Linda are grandparents. Woo! So awesome. Verse 20 again, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Whoa, submitting to somebody. We don't like control. Well, submission's not control. True submission is actually safety and protection around us instead of trying to be an independent on your own. 
God never destined us to be that. The disciples on the day of Pentecost were not only baptized with the Holy Spirit, but they were also filled with the Holy Spirit. While the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time event, filled with the Holy Spirit needs to happen repeatedly in our lives. I'm not saying you can't be baptized over and over again. I'm just saying that we need to understand that when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we don't have to go after that all the time. What we do, though, is we go after the filling in the fresh new wine of His presence, of His power, and of His glory. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Acts chapter 4, verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Oh, we need boldness in such a time as this. It doesn't mean that you're all called to fight against the government. I'm not saying that's boldness. You have to hear the calling of the Lord for you. Now, I celebrate people that are willing to battle in the call that they're called into. But what boldness is, is that no matter what laws or orders around us, it will not slow us down, it will not deter us, it will not weaken us, it will not take us out. A matter of fact, the Holy Spirit will empower us sometimes more in the times of persecution than in the times of fat living. Being filled with the Holy Spirit just in the book of Acts is also mentioned in Acts 6, verse 5, 7, 55, 9, 17, 13, 9, and on and on and on. We must be filled, continually filling with the Holy Spirit in us. We must empty ourselves of all known sin and die to self now. Every day we die to self, we empty ourselves of sin so we can be filled with more of his presence. We must fully depend on the Lord in every step of our lives. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do we overcome the lust of the flesh? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. That's how we overcome the lusts of the flesh. And the lusts of the flesh, they're not just sexual. The lusts of the flesh is when your vehicle means more to you than the people around you. When that big, double Big Mac is calling out your name at midnight at night, I love to snack. That's the problem. Later in the evening, that's the big problem. When I just need that coffee to start my day. Well, if it's Starbucks, that's okay. Tim Hortons or any McDonald's, forget it. But you're, you're I mean, I'm kidding. Because the lust of the flesh can be addiction of any kind to caffeine, to food, to bad behavior, to anger, to rudeness, to selfishness. These are the lusts of the flesh. The result of a consistent daily walk with the Holy Spirit 
will be the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. Galatians 5, starting verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control. And against such as these, there is no law. You see, there is no law in the Bible or earthly things that should ever stop you from love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no excuse on this earth that can stop you from doing that. Even in the middle of being tortured, there's no excuse when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I know people in the mission field, friends of our family, that were martyred for the gospel. I heard testimony later of the murderers that there was something unusual about them. They didn't run around in fear. They actually kept proclaiming love and the gospel of Jesus Christ right up to their death. I want to tell you something. We have no excuse to just be having a bad day. Because as long as you have breath in your lungs, you have the destiny of God, of Jesus the Christ, of Holy Spirit empowering you. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, it was marked by three symbolic phenomena. First, there was a sound of a violent rushing wind that filled the house. Second, there was the visible sign of tongues of fire resting on each person. Third, there was the miraculous speaking in foreign languages and tongues which none had previously learned. The sound of a violent rushing wind, it's like a, a picture of an invisible power. It's like the wind that blows or that pushes a sailboat. Or like the wind in a tornado or the wind in a hurricane. You can't see the wind, but boy, do you see the effects of it. This wind was like a miraculous sound from heaven. The noise was so loud that it attracted a crowd outside the building. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 6. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. In Ezekiel 37, God commanded the prophet to prophesy to the winds to breathe on a valley of dry bones. And when Elisha listened and he prophesied to the winds, he prophesied to the winds. The breath of life came in to every dry bone. In John chapter 3, John spoke to Nicodemus about the need to be born of the Spirit. 
John 3, verse 8. Let's read this. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The wind blows. You can't see it. But the Holy Spirit is like a fresh wind blowing. Wherever it chooses, in other words, my priority, it might not be the Holy Spirit's priority. And more people distance themselves from Holy Spirit because they're following their own agenda, their own identity, their own theology, their own understanding, instead of listening to the blowing, rushing winds of the Holy Spirit. I tell you what, when that voice of the Lord spoke to me on the cruise ship in the Caribbean late at night, I had to make a choice after he spoke. Do I sell my businesses, the money, one year of marriage? My wife, Sharon, she's working full-time, great job. I'm working with businesses. I could have easily talked my way out of the voice, of listening to the voice. But I had to make a choice that night. Back in 1989, what am I going to do? I cried and wept because I didn't want to go into full-time ministry. (laughs) My parents were missionaries for over 50 years. Broke financially. Why would I want that? But that voice, the rushing wind in my little, little cruise ship cabin, looking out this little porthole window, that wind from that voice blew over me as I looked at these distant islands in the middle of the night. And as I was willing to accept the rushing wind that was coming over me, I started to weep in passion for the lost people that need to know Jesus Christ on those islands. And that night changed my wife and my life, my kids' life, my grandkids' life. That night, listening to that voice, even though I didn't want to go into ministry full-time, I just knew that the fulfillment of my longings would only be fulfilled by listening to the rushing winds of that voice. This 
Holy Spirit, like the wind, is a mighty power. If we're not seeing effects or people aren't seeing the effect of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then you need to get on your knees and call for more. And when the more comes, you need to listen and obey. Who would have ever thought the voice in 1989 would have led to Windward Church, Windward Ministries, Windward Network. And if you're watching this right now, that voice of 1989 that spoke to me is affecting you too. So how can I plead with you? Go into the upper room of his presence right now and listen to that mighty rushing wind. Let the tongues of fire come upon you to walk in the power that he is destined for you. The second phenomena that night of Pentecost was the appearance of tongues of fire resting on each person in the room. And through the Bible, fire symbolizes God's holy presence. Moses in the wilderness saw the bush that was burning and yet not consumed, but God himself was in the burning bush, the fire of the bush. Later, Israel in the wilderness, they were guided and protected by the pillar of fire. John the Baptist predicted that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus said that he came to cast fire upon the earth because fire will burn the dross out of you. It'll burn the sin right out. The fire of the Holy Spirit. And the final place of judgment is the lake of fire that burns forever. Hebrews 12 verse 29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. You see, you will be burning in fire. One way or another. You will either burn in the fire of God or you will burn in the fire of hell. Either way, everyone who is born on this earth will have to make a choice and a decision in their life. I tell you what, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is an all-consuming fire ready to consume you into the love blessing and the goodness of God right now. You see, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, died on the cross and rose again so your sins could be washed away, but you could promise, have the promise of eternal life. And when that Holy Spirit came, He came to make you hot. Hot. 
in his presence. I actually think with the Holy Spirit, you might even become better looking. Because don't they say hot now is a good looking, right? Fire brings both heat and light. We need to be the heat to become light to the world. You can't even be a good light without the fire, the heat of his presence of God in you. But fire can also destroy the unrepented sinners. I believe the heat of fire is like a picture that we need to walk with such a zeal in our lives as believers. And we should be hot. Not lukewarm. Revelation 3, verse 15. Revelation 3, starting in verse 15, Jesus says, I know your works, that you are neither cold or hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. Be one or the other. Verse 16, so then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth, says the Lord. I want to tell you what, this is the time to be hot with the fire of God. This world is looking for a fire of the presence of the Holy Spirit so we can walk in power, raising the dead, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, and casting out every demonic realm through the name of Jesus Christ. The fire on that day of Pentecost, it appeared in the form of tongues, and it symbolizes the power through the proclamation, the tongues, the proclamation of the Word of God. Romans 1.16, Romans 1.16, Paul is saying, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is with it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. I am not ashamed of the gospel. People can mock me. They can make fun of me. They can lie about me. But my hope doesn't lie in people's opinions of me. My hope my faith and my trust rely on the Word of God, Jesus Christ in me, Holy Spirit fire empowering me. We must live and proclaim the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ every day. Throughout church history, the Holy Spirit has moved unseen as a blowing wind where he wills that bring revival into the church. Revival starts with the church. Well, no, revival starts in me, absolutely. But it starts in the church because the church needs to be teaching the Word of God in such a way that it, fire, it fires you up. It empowers you to be walking, living revival, the bride of Christ Jesus together. Through the Holy Spirit, God does what no humanly orchestrated revival 
could ever bring. We can't orchestrate it. Here at Windward, we can't just say, hey, let's do this, this, and this, and we'll box up a revival. If you do, it won't last long, and it won't be the true revival that God is looking for in the latter days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. As believers, we should be praying that God would light us on fire so we can be revival in our land. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 9. Philippians 2, starting in verse 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted him. That's Jesus, not you. Jesus. And given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory, to the glory of God the Father. God has given us and equipped us with the Holy Spirit power to be living testimonies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Some of the last words of Christ before the ascension. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority has been given to Jesus? All authority. How much authority does the devil have? Zero authority. Jesus is declaring and proclaiming to all the world that all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. Why? So you and I can go therefore and make disciples of every single nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, Jesus says, I am with you always. Jesus is saying, I am with you always, says the Lord, even to the end of the age. Ask right now for more, for more of the Holy Spirit to come upon you like a mighty rushing wind. Ask for the tongues of fire of God to rest on you and empower you. And I see the ground shaking around you. on the things of this world.
don't focus on an illness, a sickness, a disease, and do not live in fear. But be filled with the Holy Spirit on this day of celebrating Pentecost. Be filled, filled, filled to a cup that is overflowing in love, in goodness, in power, and authority. The choice is yours. I implore you, ask for more.